Hey, it's Glenn Thrush here with Politico's weekly podcast, Off Message, and a special treat this week, got to sit down with Paul Ryan, the uh, probably the first head-banging House Ways and Means uh, chairman in United States history. We uh, discovered pretty shortly into this interview, uh, which lasted a good 40, 45 minutes, and which took place in the uh, Ways and Means conference room, right off the floor of the House of Representatives. It was right in the middle of a vote, so there was a big crowd outside, but we started talking within four or five minutes. We both realized how much we uh, loved Metallica, uh, which I didn't really anticipate uh, when you're talking with a guy who uh, sort of prides himself on being an uh, economics geek. He also loves uh, Zeppelin, but it was the Metallica thing that really knocked me off my uh, knocked me off my pegs. Well, anyway, uh, Ryan is one of the few Republicans, it seems, that had the discipline to sit out the 2016 race, and he talks a lot about why he chose to do that. Uh, and in the middle of the conversation, he uh, he offered some pretty interesting uh, and completely unsolicited advice uh, to Hillary Rodham Clinton. So here's Paul Ryan. So why don't we just sort of start off with uh, where you're from? So I live in Janesville, Wisconsin. It's a town in South Central Wisconsin, uh, about 60,000 people. Uh, it's where I grew up. I live on the block I grew up on. Uh, in my neighborhood, within, I think I did this number some time ago, within about 10 blocks of my house are eight other Ryan family households. No kidding. Uh, and my brother lives a block away. My, my aunt and uncle are across the street. My cousin's next door. I come from a big Irish Catholic extended family. We've been in this, space, this town since um, 1850s. So we're famine Irish, uh, so potato famine. Uh, James You've Ryan. Tra- have you traced it all the way Yeah, back? we traced all the way. We just did this wow. recently. Uh, a couple of years ago, we figured it out. Uh, so James and uh, Catherine Ryan uh, came over from uh, County Kilkenny in 1851 uh, on, out of Cork, you know, in one of those famine sure. uh, ships. They call them coffin ships in the days. That's the West, right? What's that? Cork is in the West, right? Uh, it's in the South. It's in South, South Central. Uh, and so, and they, they went to Canada and then made it to uh, Wisconsin and uh, got a farm outside of Janesville, Wisconsin. And my family's been there ever since. That's amazing. Very few yeah. people have that kind of that kind of continuity, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's Janesville's like that. It's it's a town of. Uh, it actually is a fairly Irish town. It's it's a town. You know, you had just clusters of immigrants. That's yep. what Wisconsin. A lot, a lot of America's like that. Wisconsin is very much like that. So, Janesville became an Irish immigrant cluster town. A lot of my family went away to college, went away to work on the east or the west coast, and um, all many people just ultimately returned to Janesville because of the quality of life. They just right. loved it because of the the pull of home. It's a very strong community, and it's a place where people want to raise their kids. Uh, uh, your uh, one of your parents was political, right? Served on a school board, the Catholic school board. Yeah, my mom. Um, she was a very involved person, very civically involved person, but I would not call her political at all. She served on the school board. Uh, because her kids were in school, and uh, so how'd you get it was the, the Catholic school board, just the local, you know. School but how'd you board. get the bug? Because clearly, I mean, this is yeah. I, I come from a very apolitical family. Uh, I mean, there were Republicans. My right. dad was a big Reagan fan, um, but I just got into actually when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor like my grandfather um, on my mom's side. Uh, I got into it because I just fell in love with economics, and uh, I thought I was going to go. Into this, into economics. Okay, in, let me a, just uh, let yeah. me just ask you. You said you fell in love with economics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> yes, it's weird. Yeah, uh, uh, I just did. I, I what was both my brothers majored in it. it I have I'm young, the youngest by right. five years. Um, so both my brothers majored in it and sort of 
led me into, into, into and was it initially sort of the Viennese uh, yeah, yeah. School? the Austrians I mean Austrians, the, the Austrians mean? School, yeah the, the Austrians uh, yeah the Austrians are what uh, I was very interested in well in high school is when you started when you read Anne Rand for the first time yeah right? oh yeah you're doing that urban legend um that's so, not true yeah. no yeah it's true you I think, think so, people just think put a lot of yeah people people hype this thing up a lot yes I did and well, I you know really, Rush you're you're a rock fan right do yeah, you, yeah. Do you ever listen to Rush? Yeah, yeah I listened to Rush when I was, uh, Rush the band, not yeah, the man. Rush. Yeah, Rush. Yeah. yeah, I listened to Rush when I was in high school. <laughs> Good distinction there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Neil Peart, the, the drummer for yeah. Rush, who wrote all the lyrics, you know, wrote like one record that was based, because he was really into Atlas Shrugged, and it was just one record. Oh, and, I didn't know that. And, yeah, and he said, every everyone just keeps asking me about Ayn Rand. Yeah. It was like, that was three weeks I, I, out of my life. <laughs> there's my story. Yeah, so... So I enjoyed the Lavos quite a bit. They it triggered my interest in economics, right. and and that's where I got into the Austrians, and that's where I got into Milton Friedman, the Chicago School, basically. Um, did you ever, for instance, I mean, like, but uh, uh, did I ever like flirt with objectivism? No, I thought it was beyond the pale. But but have but, you ever talked to Rand Paul about this stuff? I mean, this is obviously uh, something not you about guys, this. I talked to him about yeah. a lot of things, but I've never talked to him about that. Why why we why is objectivism not something that ever really attracted? I believe you? in God. <laughs> <laughs> for one, <laughs> uh, objectivism is just a philosophy I, I do not comport with at all. I, I, it, we would take the entire interview going into this if you want to. No, but, I don't. Um, if you're going to give me some episti- an epistemological perspective, give me Thomas Aquinas. Don't give me Anran. So you are so you are somebody you steeped in sort of the Catholic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, were you a wide reader when you were a kid? I mean, did yeah, you I read a lot of, when I was a kid. Yeah. Did you ever, for instance, because we, you know, we talk about the Austrians. I read Churchill. My dad was a huge Churchill fan. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's why you see a bus there, one over here. Um, uh, I read Churchill uh, when I was young. I read just about everything I could get my hands on, um, particularly after my dad's death. I, uh, I got into like sort of introspection, I guess. No kidding. Yeah. Like, what kind of stuff did you read right after that? Just about everything. Um, and I read uh, lots of history, lots of philosophy, lots of uh, economics. Um, I read a whole sampling of it all because uh, I was sort of searching just to, for knowledge. You did know? you read sort of the kind of the lib- liberal classics? I'll throw mm-hmm. one at you, like like the Zen uh, the Zen book, the People's History. No, of the but United I read States. Camus, I read Freud and Feuerbach, all that stuff, which is a bunch of gobbledygook in my opinion. But it's good to read that stuff. You don't like Kant. Freud? You don't think it's? I think Freud's it's interesting. It's really it's well interesting. written. Uh, yeah. you know, I read a bunch, but but I read a, the point is I read not just conservative or libertarian stuff. I read a lot of different things. So as you got into politics, you know, it's really funny. Like uh, you will talk to politicians about books. Books. I remember interviewing a candidate for the mayoralty in New York and he, and he said, I want to talk about books. And the guy was not really a reader. A lot of politicians talk about books, but books are important to you, right? Still. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't have as much time as like I used to have. Um, that's the one thing I kind of, among the things I, I wish I had more time for is to read. Uh, so I, I do a lot of listening on tape in my, you know, I spend a lot of time driving around so you Wisconsin. Listen. So I do lectures and things like that on tape. Anything yeah. recent that, uh, struck I do these you? learning, you know, the teaching courses and this is not a paid advertising for, no, you no, know, no. But it's a really cool program. They, 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 they pull across the country for the best professors right. and then they uh, put their lectures on tape and then I listen to those. And typically I do economics and history and just other interesting stuff. So... Is there anybody? Is there anybody in Congress right now who you've uh, who, who you consider to be kind of uh, somebody you talk with a lot about this stuff? Is there somebody you find really intellectually interesting? Doesn't have to be a Republican, obviously. Oh, I better answer this question because if I do, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Um, no one's going to listen to this uh, except you. And yeah, me. right. Uh, sure. Um, nothing 
jumps to the top of my head. Um, but, you know, Tom McClintock and I have had some really interesting conversations over the years. About what kind uh, of stuff? Just a lot of these things. Um, he's an interesting guy. Um, I used to talk to uh, uh, Ron Paul about this stuff when I was young. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because he's such a well-read guy on, on libertarian issues. Right. So I'd always just pick his brain and just kick his tires and get, get his take on things. What's I that like? He's I mean, fun to talk to. He's a, he's a neat guy. He's a fun guy to talk to. Um, do you remember anything specific that you kind of... Uh, you know, I used to always talk to him about monetary policy, things like that. Um, do, you, do you generally agree with his philosophy on stuff? It seems like there's a little uh, bit of a divergence, right? I'm not... It, it depends on the issue. I'd have to... We'd have to go through an yeah. issue. Some yes, some no. Um, I guess I'd say... Uh, the people on my committee uh, are the people I spend most of my time with that I talk with. Uh, and we have Ways and Means Committee has really talented people, uh, very talented people and good members who um, um, are, you know, just have a lot. They're among the, our best members of the, of the conference. Um, one of the things I noticed as a reporter and everybody does when they're up here is how you would glide by listening to music. And I've been asked a zillion questions about music. Have, do you play music? <laughs> yes. What do you oh, play? do I play? You mean? Yeah. Like oh, yeah, um, actually play. Um, the cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> so you like Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, that's right. So you are a Zeppelin I, no, fan. No, I don't. Yeah, I am a big Zeppelin. That's, Zeppelin's if you had to be one group, uh, I'd pick Zeppelin. What's your yeah. favorite Zeppelin song? Um, you know, Out of the Gallows Pole is probably the current one. No it, kidding. Yeah, it bounces around. A little that's acoustic one I for hit. me. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I, it. I move around. You're not uh, a When the Levy Breaks kind it, of guy? That was my favorite song. Seems very fiscal to me. I listen to, to it me. so much that... Uh, me too. Uh, that and it's I, uh, one chord. I move off another one. But I really like, that was my favorite one for a long time. Um, my, my kids like that one. Do your kids like, can you get your kids into Zeppelin? We have a rule in our family, which is if Led Zeppelin's on the radio, you cannot change the station. And you cannot talk. And you cannot talk. So that's my rule, because my daughter, she's not into Led Zeppelin. Let's just say that. She's into what 13-year-old girls are into. So, Which is um, what? I don't know. She, we, we, we share the same iTunes account, so I... <laughs> so, so I get I get all these things coming out of my device here that I have never ever seen and heard before. I have very eclectic tastes. I like country, old country, new country. Like what? Like uh, Bob Wills? Uh... Uh, old stuff like Hank Jr. Here, I'll pull up my playlist. Hank Jr. is not old. That that's old to me. No, that's yeah. Hank Jr. is old. What I think these old? days you would call Hank Jr. old. Hank Senior is um, old. No, but that's. That's really old country. Let's just call that really old country. Okay, old country. so when you were out on the trail, new country is you know, um, you know Miranda Lambert, uh, Dustin Lynch, Florida Georgia band, uh, Justin Moore. He's pretty good, um, um, but I'm really more of a classic rock guy and a little bit of headbanger. I did, I've got a lot of Metallica on here. You like Metallica? Um, mm-hmm. Which oh yeah, I've what? liked Metallica since Ride the Lightning came out in 1984 or something. My, like my first job was I was senior editor so. at Guitar World magazine under the nom de plume Glenn Thrash. And I hung out with Pantera and Iron Maiden. No kidding. A little bit of Metallica. I've seen Iron Maiden twice in concert in high school. Yeah, and I was a uh, mostly. Eddie. Did, did, you, Eddie, did you see Eddie? Eddie walking around? Yeah. Uh, they're all about uh, five foot four inches tall. Yeah. I, I was I, a mo- Like I said, I've seen those. I, I went to all those concerts. In high school, it was Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, that kind of stuff. I was if a you motor- grew up in Wisconsin, that's pretty much what you I, I was a motorhead to. guy. I was in Motorhead cover bands, mm. but where I was from, thrash was like a big, thrash was just starting in hardcore. Um, speaking of thrash and hardcore, let's talk a little bit about 2012. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been, that must have been an out-of-body experience. I mean, you, you're, yeah. I mean, in general, as you look back, what is like, what is the big takeaway? I, I never want to do that again? No, no, I actually, I, I actually liked the experience, you know, on the net. Yeah. I, I thought it was a great experience. I learned a lot. 
uh, it's not my natural thing. Uh, I'm more of a policy person than a political person. Right. At least that's how I see myself. Um, maybe some people see me differently. But uh, so I've always been more of a kind of a cause guy, policy person. But it was fun. And um, it's one of those deals where uh, you have six days notice. I mean, I got between when Mitt asked me and this thing right. was made public, we were basically stuffed into a cannon and shot out to the country. Um, you know, it was a lot of learn on the job. It, and thank God I had had 14 years of experience in Congress under my belt. But what was the... Le- what you're was out there, you know... Uh, on you your know, own, On your own. Uh, and, you know, you have support staff, but you have to... It's you, you know. And every local and regional reporter uh, trying to make a name to, to trip you up or to catch you or something like that. So you just get kind of... But I had already 14 years of that doing all my budgets. You get kind of guarded. Yeah. Yeah, but, I've, but I, if I hadn't had the experiences I had before with budget, with just being in Congress, with representing a swing district right. doing over 700 town hall meetings you know that would have been a really hard thing to do as a result um once i got the tempo of it in the first you know right. three four weeks uh it became fun uh, was actually, it, my kids loved it they thought it was great was there any moment early on particularly dealing with the press you mentioned people trying to make their name that uh, you were like man i'm sorry i got into this no, I was like, man, I can't, I screwed up and I got to fix, you know, I, 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 I got to get better. You know what I mean? I would just get down on myself. You're hard. On, are you tough on yourself in yeah, that regard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is it like? Cause I never really, I don't deal with the media. Thank God. Uh, apart from the time I'm standing in front of a mirror, which is bad enough. But the, uh, what, what is it like to deal with us and how has it changed? You said you've, you've done it for 14 years. Was <coughs> well, there any, I'm in my 17th now. Right. Um, well, I mean, uh, what was it like, what was it like to sort of face the pack? Was it, uh. Well, I'd done a little bit of that, but nothing yeah. like this. I mean, it's not, they don't really compare um, doing, I say being senator, governor, right. or house leader, or chairman, it doesn't compare to a presidential. Uh, presidential is very different. And to me, the lesson, the big takeaway I get out of this, and people ask me this, guys who are running for president, is you can't let the process numb you to the point where you're just a robot. You've got to maintain your individuality you have to maintain your personality um even though all the pressure is don't gaff don't deviate you know you know be prepared give the prepared thing you got to watch that because you can just be boring and you can be vanilla and you can so sanitize yourself that you're not yourself right um now when you're on the ticket meaning the running mate you know you don't want to screw up another person's campaign you know my big concern at the time was Mitt's been running for this thing for six years. Right. I'm on board for the last three months. I don't want to screw up his what he's been doing. Was there a moment that you? So, is there a moment you can look back on where you, where you thought you came close to screwing up? No, there really wasn't. We had a really good team. I mean, our we you know you read about in these campaign books about infighting and stuff like that. Right. We didn't have that. We right. I mean he was there. I mean we we had a very good team, very good relationships. There was no none of that issue whatsoever, and. Again, because I had good experience, um, because our team was, you know, the, it was a team that they assembled for me, but it was all house people. It was Buck, it was Steele, you know, it was, you know, Dan Senor, who's a buddy of mine, you know, just, so it was, we had a very good team, and there was no daylight between uh, his team and my team. They were, they were, and we were talked every single day, integrated. So I felt like I was just a, a key part of a, of a really good team moving in the same direction. No, no. But, but the pressure for me was, um, he put so much into this. 
Um, I want to, you know, I, I want to be, uh, I want to contribute to make sure that this campaign is successful and I don't want to do anything uh, to, but, to deviate from that. But the interesting thing about you is like you're a very disciplined person mm -hmm. and I think that came through on the, on, on the campaign and it advantaged you tremendously. But talk a little bit about, it was, you were in an interesting situation and it wasn't necessarily what you did or what you said, but it was your budget that really became the issue. Yeah, I knew the, that. Yeah. And when they, when he asked me, I said, you realize, I mean, I'm the guy with all the budget cuts. You, you put me on the ticket. You own this budget. He said, well, I'm going to own it anyway, so might as well put the guy on the ticket who can best defend it and who knows it. And, and he basically gave me this long talk about this is what we have to do to save the country, right. and I want to save the country, and you know how to do these things in Congress. You, I know business. I know economics. You know Congress. You know the federal government and the budgets. It's you're, 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 he said, you compliment my weaknesses, and so that's why I want you to be on the ticket. And so that now, was a pretty good. I, I thought that was a fairly compelling. Now the, as you know, the Democrats point. loved that, loved your budget, and they loved. Uh, I did too. When they, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, I like that. I, I want debates like that. So you were you, you oh, were eager to have. I that was debate. excited about that. I went around Florida with my mom doing town, Medicare town hall meetings. We, I was using jumbotrons in Central Florida University in the basketball arena with Medicare charts. I mean, for me, that was fun. So. The, the, the other big takeaway is other than work hard at being yourself yeah. and don't let, don't let the pressure of a campaign so sanitize you. I think this is Hillary Clinton's problem. Right. Hillary Clinton is so handled, so managed, so sanitized. I don't know who, who, who where's the real human being here. Did you buy, uh, uh, so were you watching any of the coverage of her out in Yeah, I did. I watched a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, and what do you think? I mean, do you think that, do you think there is an authentic person uh, in there? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Look, I don't, I don't really know her. I mean, I know her a yeah. little bit, so I'm, I'm not going to make a personal right. thing. But you know, if if you got the New York, if you're calling the New York Times to tell them that you ate at Chipotle, please go. You know, she did, look, I will tell you, this. I will tell you from personal knowledge because the reporter who wrote that story is my best friend. She didn't call. She oh, okay. discovered that on her own. I will tell you. Oh, that. okay. Yes. That's not that's not what's out there. No, that's wrong. Oh, she she good to, good to know. Good okay, to know. I don't want you to. No, I appreciate that. No, mind you, I would love for you to you know swing wildly and miss, yeah, yeah. but you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, I appreciate that. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that's what I read. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know, maybe in Politico. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you can't. Just well, kidding. I'm not going to say anything against Politico. <laughs> but it, it, but so in the, terms, the point I'm yeah, saying is, yeah. Um, I I so when I have a new view of how I look at these candidates, so I see her, um, and I see. In her mind are all the people telling her, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, be this, be that, be this, be that. And, and she's probably going through all these cycles of those thoughts and doing that. So and you it, can sort of see her as you're sort of a, sure. you're looking and in it, those eyes and seeing mm -hmm. them because you went through the mm -hmm. same thing yourself. And, and, and my advice to anybody running for president yeah. is just reject that stuff and just be you. People are going to see through, you know, they'll see who you are at the end of the day and get them there at the beginning of the day. But authenticity, which has become the byword right now, is a tricky thing. You've got to be one to lose. Right. That, that's the problem in politics is people who are so fueled by ambition that the ambition is, is, is everything. You've got to be willing to lose these, lose these jobs if you want to be good at these jobs. So I, the way I decided... A number of years ago, I got to be willing to lose this job if I want to be really good at this job, and so, and that includes if you're running for president. That to me gives you the, the mental edge, and gives you the, the the sense of authenticity that people so desperately need in this country. And well, I don't I don't see that. that. The point I'm making about Hillary Clinton yeah. is I don't see that in her. Okay, bookmark that <clears throat> point for one second. Because uh, I want to go back to it, but you're sort of talking about the willingness to lose. But there, you know, I just did a story on Speaker Boehner a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, sort of talking about 
how difficult a challenge he faces. And you've, you know, you've been savaged on some of these, yeah. uh, these votes. Kind of get used to it. Um, but isn't there a cohort in your party that it seems very willing to lose? In fact, addicted to losing a little bit. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, I think there are people willing to lose. But I think if you're willing to lose for being who you are and what you believe and what principles you're standing up for, that, I think that's a refreshing good thing. Uh, if you're solely focused on just some kind of uh, ambition that's not a policy ambition, that's not uh, you know wh- what you think that is best for the country, right? Then I think you'll make bad decisions. Well, the, ultimately, in the just long to run. press you on that point, because you know the Obama uh, the Obama folks for you know have used the term nihilistic for some of these folks. I mean, do you feel uh, do you feel that there is a strain in your party that that is just no one? No, having? I think what 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 you have is a reaction to. Um, to, to the surge of liberal progressivism that we've seen from the Obama administration. I think you have um, a reaction to how far left uh, the government has gone, the president has gone. Just remember what he did when he first came into office when he had total control and how far he took the country and how jarring that was because he ran as a consensus maker, you know, not red state, not blue state, but right. United States. And he ran as a tonal moderate. He sounded moderate. And he, and he you, sounded like he was going to bridge gaps. But more than and that. And then when he got in office, as soon as he hit the ground, he went hard left and stayed there. But you were one of the And few. then he did the smash mouth politics. Right. Yeah, then he did the, the, the Well, let's the talk pre-smash mouth because so, I, I remember them telling me, the White House folks telling mm-hmm. me that if there's a guy that they like up on the hill, somebody who they feel that they can communicate with, somebody who sort of intellectually uh, Obama wants to spar with, it was you, right? Mm-hmm. Did that ever happen? Did that relationship ever really develop? They don't do congressional outreach. Uh, and I don't say that as a Republican. I don't think yeah. they do it for their own with their own party either. That's did just you, not what they do. Did you ever interact with the president in a non-spotlight situation? Did, have you guys ever just talked yeah, about stuff? Yeah, we talked on the phone. Sure. And what do you think of him? I mean, like, uh, and what's sort of the tenor of the uh, conversation? <clears throat> he's a smart guy, but he's so smart he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And I think that's, uh, I think he's got a real blind spot there. Plus, he's a dedicated progressive, liberal progressive, which... I guess if you're a liberal progressive, you love that. If you're a conservative like me, you don't like that. And so, um, and I also think that he is, um, I think he's dramatically abused the Constitution. And I think that's, that's, that's not, that is not in keeping with the office that he swore an oath to. And so I believe that he has stretched the Constitution beyond its limits. Um, he has really put a test, uh, a precedence for the executive branch. Uh, that's a dangerous, a bad precedence. Right. Um, do you say but, this to him when you speak with him? And how does he, I have said things. How does he react to, to that kind of thing? He doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know. I have. Believe me, I said a few things to him. Um, he doesn't like it. Uh, he, you know, again, I think he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. And uh, in regards to what in gen- in sort of budget lots stuff, of things, lots of things. And so, so that sounds to me like a, I think he's you know I in, think he's intellectual just, arrogance essentially is uh, what you're yeah. <clears throat> Well, you could say those words, but anyway, makes it better. That, that's why I let you okay. say. But it, so, in terms of, but uh, have you ever had have you ever had any one on one interaction with uh, Hillary? Uh yeah, a few times. I think I went over there and had breakfast once or twice. Um, to the uh, when I was budget chair, when she was uh, secretary of state. And what were the, uh, what were those interactions like? Good, she's pleasant. She, I, I, <clears throat> I've always had pleasant interactions with her. Nothing, you know, in great. Depth. Do you view her uh, as being sort of as hot in your to use your terms as hard left as Obama? Do you think she's a little less progressive, a little more? No, I think she's a progressive. I think she's just better at covering their tracks. Yeah. Uh, I think you look at who she really is from 1993, uh, health care. Uh, so I think she is um, I think she is that progressive. 
Um, and I think, I think a, a Hillary Clinton presidency would be nothing more than a third Obama term. Um, have you ever uh, considered voting for a Democrat? I mean, would there, you know? Yeah, I voted for Les Aspen once. Um, he's my one of my predecessors uh, when I was, you know, 18 or 20. I can't remember what, you know, but when I was a young guy, I voted for him once. Um, do you think the Democratic Party has gotten too well, far I thought, away? Well, I saw, I saw Les Aspen as helping Reagan with his defense bill, though. As, as, as he really did, yeah. yeah. Oh, MX Missile and all that. So I saw Les, he was, like I said, my our guy from our district. Uh, I saw him as, helping, as a Democrat helping Reagan, and so I voted for him uh, one time because I met his opponent and, you know, I decided to vote for Les. Would you uh, do that again, like, uh, if, you, if you... I voted for my sheriff. He's Democrat. Really? Yeah. He's, he lives two blocks from me. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> His last name isn't Ryan, is it? <laughs> no, it's Foden. Yeah. Just wanted to check on yeah. that one. So uh, in terms of you decided not to run, and there, there are any number of people in the party who thought you should have run. Why mm -hmm. did you make that decision? A lot of, a lot of people uh, wanted to. It was very nice. Um, a couple of reasons. Um, stage in life, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, my kids are, are 11, 12, 13 or 10, 11, and 13, excuse me. Uh, and I can do a lot right here. Uh, I got the job that I'd always planned on trying to get. You know, I didn't run for the Senate right. uh, in the past because I wanted to do this job, Ways and Means. It's the committee in charge of our health care laws, our tax laws, our trade laws, our welfare laws, and some of our retirement programs. It's the committee. It's, it, these are the laws you have to fix if you're going to prevent a debt crisis. If you're going to replace Obamacare, if you're going to do tax reform, and if you're going to make a big dent on poverty from a federal perspective by moving people from welfare to work, and if you're going to open up international trade, that to me is very exciting. It's, it's what I want to work on. I think I can make a huge difference for the country where I am and for the party in, in the moment um, and be home on weekends. Now, is there any, at any point, obviously this thing hasn't gotten into full swing yet, is there any point that you're looking at this or hearing some of these uh, entrance announcements by these guys and saying to yourself, boy, I'd really like to be out there making that case? I don't, uh, I don't think like that. Uh, I made my decision, I, I'm, and my decision's made. I made it, you know, last year, uh, near the end of the year. I gave it a lot of think thought. I spent two years thinking about it. Um, and I just know myself. Is there some point and in the future, perhaps, where you might run? Again? Down the road, maybe, yeah. But, but I'm not one of these types who thinks I have to be president. I'm just, I'm a policy person. I just want to get this stuff, I just want to get these things done. I want to do what I can to contribute to saving the country from the really awful trajectory that it's on to help put us back on the trajectory. I wrote about this a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I, it's called, re I think of it as the American idea. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I've been working on lately that I feel very strongly about that I think could have been jeopardized if I politicized it in a presidential campaign. So, so in terms of like, I also interviewed Elizabeth Warren recently, and one of the things that she said is I'm absolutely not running for president, and I'll paraphrase her here, because I feel I can have a hell of a lot more leverage being on the outside yeah. marshalling both the ideas and the people who support what I believe. Do you think, do you think that that's the role you're going to play? And, and pick one or two issues where you really want to have a dispositive impact on the debate. Poverty. Well, on the poverty. I want, look, I come from Jack Kemp, right? So Jack was my mentor. Um, I was really motivated and inspired by what he did. I don't think we've done nearly enough to pick up that mantle. I'm trying to do my best. So I spent a lot of time working on, on poverty issues. Uh, it's very important to me. I feel very strongly about it. I think I can help make a huge difference in it. Um, and if I ran for president, all of that would have been politicized. Um, plus, 
uh, all do the budget you, Wait, stuff. let me ask you about poverty because yeah. I've covered poverty too. Do you, you know, it, it's funny, you get, when you go into communities, all folks ask for is more resources, including yeah. not-for-profits. I mean... Not do, necessarily, but what I'm with. But you know what I mean. I mean, it's a, it's a substan- substantial part of the conversation. Um, do you think, do you see a space in, in uh, where you would see increased spending on targeted uh, anti Yeah, I mean, programs. read what I put out. There are some yeah. cases where I do see that. Um, there are cases where I see... What I think we do is we don't... We just measure success by how much money we spend and how many programs we create and how many people go on those programs. Right. That's, and look at where we are. I mean, we haven't moved the needle on poverty. We have 45 million people in poverty. So uh, I'm doing a bill um, today. I'm, I just dropped. I just signed it a few minutes ago with Patty Murray right. <clears throat> on, yes. you know, on, on Evidence-Based Policy Commission. The point is, among the things I think I can help do is change our measurement and our emphasis on these programs to outcomes measurement. So we measure success based on outcomes and results. Which is all, which is mu- which is much more prevalent in the not-for-profit world. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And so there are so so you can go out and identify. I can we can talk about this for a long time. Okay, uh, you can talk. You know, we need to switch to an outcomes-based approach, and we need to emphasize work. We need to em- emphasize upward mobility. Right. So the point I, I'm making in all of this is, I think there's um, a great space to be filled of our, our party being the party of solutions, of ideas, of setting the agenda, not just reacting right. to you know, this last president, you right. know, but to, to saying, here's where we're going to take the country, elect us. So I think I can help get us the kind of election uh, that we have to have in this country to save the country, which is a choice election. But there's also t- the, the tonal issue, right? And, and Rand yeah. Paul's also spoken about mm-hmm. this, too. Republicans... Yeah. Uh, so and you know this better than anybody. So many Republicans don't speak your language on yeah. this thing. I mean, how how can you? Do you think you can get people? I mean, clearly you've had these conversations with people. Yeah, I what I tell people <clears throat> is get out in the in the neighborhoods, get out in the communities. They don't. Out. A lot of people don't. No, I know, and so that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I put this comeback video yeah. out. Uh, I, I was a part of putting this comeback video out. Um, you can go to opportunitylives.com and watch the comeback mini series. Something that we worked on for a couple of years. And my, my goal with that is to just inspire people to get involved in their communities and see these stories for themselves. And to my fellow members of Congress and fellow um, public servants, go do this yourself and be inspired and, and understand. And, and then just, and just, it will make you better. It will make you a better policymaker. It will make you a better person. And um, those kinds of things, I think, are really important. What kind of responses do you get? Do, are people... You know, you can't get overwhelmingly positive responses. A lot of a lot of people in, are in districts where this wouldn't necessarily fly. Right? I get positive responses. It's just uh, <clears throat> like you say, people come from different parts of the country and uh, don't see it or know it as much. And um, I no, I get positive responses. I would I would disagree with that. I don't get blowback at all. I get I, most people say thank you for doing this. I'm glad you're doing this. Wow, what can I do to get involved? That's typically what I get. Um, so in, yeah, in terms of the race. Uh, 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 obviously, we don't know who is going to be in the race. Is there are there any candidates that you uh, you like? What they've I'm not going to ask you specifically who you're going to support. I presume. Let me well, just. I'm, say, I'm chairing the presidential trust, so I got to be neutral. That requires my. And you will be neutral throughout the entire. Uh, I'm chairing the presidential trust. That's the general fund. Gotcha. For the for the nominee for for the general election. So that's my title. That's my job. So that requires neutrality because we get support from everybody's supporters. So let me hit you from a different angle on that. Is there anything you've heard from either any of the candidates who've announced or any who might announce that you thought was particularly nice interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they all say they're good all things. fantastic. Yeah, they're all fantastic. Great. They say great things. <laughs> nice uh, try. 
Well, you know, what the hell. Um, in terms of getting back to Hillary a little bit, because, uh, you know, uh, I covered her for a long time in 2008 and 2000. Were you on her on the plane? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I was in, in, two, in two near, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a happy flyer. Best compliment I got. From doing that, you know Janet Hook. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So I've known her a long time. She's a great lady, great uh, reporter. Yeah, great reporter. <clears throat> and I'd see her down in the gym in like the Iowa Marriott and the Des Moines Marriott and all that stuff. And she said, "Hey, I'm signing off. I'm, I'm going to be off the plane." I'm like, "You've been with us a month. What happened?" She's like, "You know, you're going to have a few more people leave." I said, "Why? What happened?" She's like, "You don't gaff. You know." You <laughs> oh, really? So yeah. So they're, they're, you don't gaff much. You're not making news um, unless you want to make the news. And I'm like. I'm going to take that as an enormous compliment. She said, you should. <laughs> it was nice seeing you see after the election. Well, Hillary, something I, like that. I did so a, she said something like that to me. I did a first-person piece on I'm Hillary. I'm paraphrasing the conversation, but she basically said that. We uh, would sleep. That a big compliment. The pro, well, the other thing, Hillary, the huge mistake that Hillary made in 08, just sort of like tactically, was she'd do six, seven events a day. And by the time you got to the fourth or fifth event, <clears> I and uh, my best friend, who was also covering the race with me, we would sleep in the bus until the fourth event. And then you'd go, everyone else would be completely burned out and totally desensitized. And that's when she would make the mistake at the Because she was tired, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, the yeah. one who brought, she made the, remember she talked about the corkscrew landing in Bosnia. Yeah. That was at like this, that was at 830 at night in like Iowa City, you know. I mean, uh, so wow. as a candidate, I mean, did you, you obviously observe the 08 race. Were you impressed by anything that she did? Did you in think? In the 08 of, race? Yeah, in the 08 uh, race. I don't know. I, was I impressed by anything she did? Not really. <laughs> I really can't, honestly I just can't think of anything so you don't think she's going to be a tough draw for you guys uh, no she's got she's going to have money and she has name um, I do think that she's uh, very beatable I know that's not conventional wisdom I think she's very beatable because she's a third Obama term she is not her husband um, in that I just don't think she has the kind of charisma um, that people look for um, and I think her record is a, a terrible record. She, she was the architect of the Obama foreign policy for the first half of his presidency, which is a total disaster. Right. Russia, I mean, it can go on and on. So I think she has a bad track record of, of foreign policy failures. Um, when she was a first lady, she was the architect of socialized medicine, and I just don't think that that's going to fly. Okay. Well, the one last thing I'll, I'll leave you on is there's, there's just a lot of, uh, uh, there is a lot of anti-Hillary uh, talk out there. And, you know, clearly you guys have a very distinct target here in the 2016 race. Is there the danger, though, of overshooting, uh, overshooting the runway here yeah. and getting mean? Like, I'll give, you for, I'll give you an example. Like, Eric Erickson from Red State is out there talking in really blunt terms about her being, quote, unquote, an old lady. Um, do you think like Look, do you think there's a real danger in like uh, talking so negatively about we'll, her? That we'll you, win on yeah. if we win this race, which I think we will win this race. We'll win it because of our ideas. We'll win it because of our agenda. We'll win it because we have better solutions, not because of of any any frustrations or any kind of criticisms. There'll be plenty to criticize of her policies, of her track record, of her ideas. We will win because we will give the country a better choice for the direction of this country. Um, my uh, goal is to help contribute to framing that choice, to preparing that choice, to getting that agenda ready um, so that in 2017 we can fix this country. What would you say to your fellow Republicans about tone? Because you, you very much about tone. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I learned, too, in, yeah. in, in 2012. And just I think it's just important to get around and listen to people you 
who don't agree with you and go to go to just various different communities. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and I think that matters. I, you know, I'm from Wisconsin, so right. we kind of are normally like that anyway. Um, you know, it's kind of Midwest nice, people call it. So I just, that's just kind of how people like where I come from are. Um, but uh, uh, tone is, you have to, the way I look at this is you have to be inclusive. You have to be aspirational. You got to be hopeful. And you got to give people a sense of why they want to vote for you, not against the other person. All right. Great talking to you. Yeah, you bet. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice seeing you again. Good seeing you.